Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T. And let me tell you something. We're about to go vibrant today. My guest is Lit AF. And if you don't know what AF means, you can Google that because I'm not going to say it. She is Lit AF. Her name is Joe Franco. Now, I have a lot to talk to her about. Okay, so we're going to talk about how somebody can learn like a thousand different languages. We're going to talk about how to travel effectively. We're going to talk about journaling. But most importantly, we're going to just talk about how to live that vibrant life and trust and believe in who you are. So get ready to trust and believe. Somebody say it again. No, no, no. What's up? This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Joe! Mr. Sean T. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. I just love every second that I spend virtually with you. I want to see you in person in the flesh. Yes, we're going to do that. And I need to say this. I don't know if you are on TikTok ever. Well, I think you are. But, you know, there's a sound going around with Nicki Minaj. And it says, nah, I don't think y'all understand. I'm obsessed. And that is me. I'm obsessed with you. It is unhealthy. It's really unhealthy, especially after really getting a chance to talk to you in your podcast. So you guys have to go listen to that, too. Can you just, like, let me know, without telling me your professional accolades, like, where does your vibrancy come from? Like, how does that frequency, like, fill your soul daily? Because it is so infectious and incredible. I could ask the same exact question to you, which I did, and you did give me the answer. I think it's so powerful to, first of all, not even ask somebody what they do, because like, sure, we work, like everybody has to work, but it's like, who, who have you cultivated yourself to become? I think uh, for me, it was a learned skill. I was a really shy kid. I was a quiet kid. So I guess from the root, I was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I'm Brazilian. And there's nothing about my family connecting us to the States other than a visa to pick oranges in Florida that my uncle got and went to the States. So Mm. when I was five years old, the entire family, we all spoke Portuguese that, you know, again, no connection to the States. We, we were told as kids, my mom was like, Hey, how do you guys feel about going on an adventure? 
And I was the only one, probably because I was five, my older sister and brother were a little bit older. So they had friends and they liked their schools. But I was the only one that was like, what's America? Like, that sounds interesting. And you think about when you're a kid, most five-year-olds don't know what a con like the concept of a country is, let alone that they are in one and that there are others that are different from them. So when I think about what like created this vibrancy or like this, joie de vivre, like the zest for life that I have. I really think about that day we were walking in the middle of the street in Rio, cracked pavement, flip-flops. I'm small, trying to keep up with my siblings and my mom walking down the street, holding her hand. And she says on the way to like a local pizza shop, hey, what do you guys think about going on an adventure? And instead of being scared, I was curious. So I really do think that my zest for life, all of these positive things that have come into my life, it, it's rooted from curiosity instead of fear of the unknown. And then that shaped me in a million different directions. But like most of all, when I don't know what's going to happen, I guess I'm more optimistic because it's like, it's boring. You know what you know, but what you don't know is what you don't know. And that's where things start getting interesting. I do want to say really fast. I know why we connect on such a high level. I was a shy kid too, like extremely shy. And I was always in the back. Like when mm-hmm. people were walking, when my family was walking, I was always behind. My stepfather, who I call my step monster, which I told you why in your show, and people who know my show know why, he used to call me turtle and used to say, oh, you're slow. Like I'm mentally slow. And I was like, no. In my head, I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm like taken in this world. And so it's so interesting that you're shy and you always walked a little slower to like probably enjoy the scenery or whatever it is, enjoy the experience. So thank you for saying that. That's so cool. It's so fun now being the shy kid because people think shy people are just hiding when really we're observing in such an Mm -hmm. incredible way. And I think we're also, and I don't know how you feel about this is in a way you're protecting your peace. Absolutely. I, I love that analogy so much. Also, just knowing about introverted people, I was always shy because first I was the youngest and my nickname in Portuguese was Joaninha, which which means little Joanna, but it also means ladybug. So I was called by this diminutive. It was cute, but it was like when they called me, I already knew I was the smallest one. So I would kind of like shrink myself to fit in that small, tiny Joaninha character that I was in my family. Then you take that and you put it in the middle of the States in Connecticut where it's like a sea of straight hair, white kids. And here I am with this big curly hair that I didn't even know how to take care of at the time. So honey, it was frizz everywhere. It's like, I would try to slick it back. And I had this like, these ripped hairs on top and they would call me the sun because it would just be like frizz on top, a ponytail up here. So I would grow up in this environment where it's like, I didn't fit in, not only because I couldn't speak the language for the first two years, I peed my pants in the first grade because I didn't know how to say, can I go to the bathroom? So I had to get comfortable in my own head. And and there's a lot up there, honey, which is why I started writing. So it's all connected, right? Like I've had journals I have in my bookshelf. If you're watching on video, these are all journals that I've filled up my entire life. Because even when I was quiet, I guess I had a lot to say, and the only place I felt like it was safe to say it was with paper and pen. So all of it's connected, but I think what's really cool is that, you know, the shy kids like us, somewhere along the way, came into our power, into our authenticity, 
into our uniqueness that became our superpower. But I'm still, I still say that I'm an introverted extrovert. I love the fact that you have all those journals behind you. Again, if you're watching this on video, you should. It's amazing to see. And the fact that you fill them up. But journals are words and journals are really thoughts, right? You know, I think I have a friend, my friend, Shaleen, she did a, um, a reel the other day where she was reading from her diary. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so fascinating. It is so her. And so when you look inside of those journals, do you see an evolution of yourself? And with that, tell me, go to the point where you felt like, oh my gosh, like I literally broke free. This is something that I feel everyone should do. Journal, it's free. Just get a little, you know, paper journal. And I really think paper and pen is the way to go. There are so many different apps or whatever, like, shoot, I might even come up with an app one day. But what I love about paper and pen is that it's limited. It's finite. So you're doing this body-mind connection. Your hand cannot write about everything. And the way that I started looking at it after books and books and books of journals that I filled up, it's like, what is worth the ink, right? So it's like, you really have to ask yourself, what do I want to remember are those silly ass boys worth the ink? Probably not. And so <laughs> it's, it's been really... Honey, no, they're not, honey. No, they're <laughs> not. <laughs> those silly boys are not worth the ink. And so many other things that uh, I, I always like to tell people, I actually created a journaling club, which was an accident. It wasn't something I strategized. It happened during the pandemic called Joe Club for Journal, the journal club, not for me, but it just so happens to work out with my name. Uh, where in 2020, I started posting my journal entries on my Insta stories. Like I would just scrappy, ugly handwriting, you know, whatever I was thinking. And I'm like, journal entry for the day. And when you have hundreds and thousands of followers, it's scary to be like, hey, here are my innermost thoughts. But what I saw was so beautiful. It was hundreds of people around the world in different languages joining this informal journaling club that I turned into a 30-day journal challenge. So every day I would wake up and I would ask the whole community a question and then I would write my answer but I would only give it to them the next day and then the next day people would tag me and share their journal entries and it became a 30-day challenge then a 60-day challenge then 90 days and people are like this took me out of that pandemic depression because I was able to see so much of my insides that I had never asked myself so so many things about journaling are positive but to answer your question do I see a personal evolution like hell yes I think journaling, it's, it's the receipt of your personal growth. It's mm -hmm. also this beautiful place for you to cultivate a better relationship with yourself. Like, you're cool as shit. Just read those journals. I think writing in a journal is really powerful, but what's even more powerful is rereading them because you get to observe your life and your thoughts and you get to ask yourself, like, do I rock with this person? And mm. you can pick up on patterns that you might have left slip through the cracks if you weren't being intentional about rereading that shit. So when I look at journals where I'm being overly negative and I'm looking at it, I usually reread my journals once a week. And it's entertaining because it's like I'm an outsider. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. And I can pick up when I'm being a little bitch. Like, sometimes I can look at a, <laughs> a situation in a more positive light. So it's self-work. It's therapy. It's It's definitely how I've not only behaved it's become a companion on my trips on my solo travels like there's nothing sexier or more mysterious and interesting than a person sitting at a bar with a glass of wine journaling like this is i don't do it to look mysterious but it happens to look mysterious that is and then, mysterious now that i think about it 
And then you get to this point where people approach you and they're like, what are you writing about? Or like just the other day, I was journaling in, in New York and I do this even if I'm not traveling. And the manager, the owner of the, of the restaurant was like, he's 60 years old. And he's like, man, you're making me feel like I should have kept a journal all these years. I, I'm going to start doing it. And it's much like you with fitness. It's something that you've done for you, but it's really exciting to motivate other people to do it because I know this is nutritious. Like this is something you will not regret. So everybody get out there and journal. It's almost like time traveling. And, you know, as you travel through time and you're seeing different things, you're seeing different parts of your personality, you see personal growth. But with that, in terms of time traveling and traveling, you are an avid traveler. I need you to tell us why, like, what is it about traveling? What is it about getting on that plane or arriving in that new city that gives you just that tremendous amount of joy that, that, you know, I get from dancing or, or something like that. First of all, I want to tell everybody out there that travel is tangible. And this is coming from a girl who was an un documented immigrant for 12 years of my life. So when we moved to the States, a little detail that I got to sneak in is that we came on a visa to go to Disney World. So on paper, we never left Disney World. So what happens with a lot of these immigrant stories, it's, you know, the parents are just trying to bring their children to a better opportunity. That's what my mom did. She didn't want to raise us in violence. We were growing up in a neighborhood where things could have popped off and she just wanted peace. She just wanted peace to raise her three kids. So when we moved, we were undocumented. And what that means is you start paying a lawyer, an immigration lawyer, to start the process. And that process can take anywhere from five years if you're super lucky, 12 years if you're a little bit lucky, which we were technically a little bit lucky, or 20 years. And in this time, you're being a good citizen, you're not getting in trouble. And this also contributed to me being shy and quiet because my mom always said, don't ruffle the feathers, don't cause too much attention because if they find out that we're illegal, we can get deported. So there's so many ways where like my backstory would prevent me from living this crazy ass life that I ended up living, where I ultimately ended up hosting a travel show on Netflix. Like, so I didn't grow up with money. We, we cleaned houses on the weekends. I didn't even grow up going to small little trips. We never took family vacations. And if we did, it was to visit family, like straight up people of color travel. That is how it is. Like, and I talk to my friends who are Nigerian immigrants or Dominican immigrants. We all say the same thing. When you're in that position, you're an in-betweener is what I call us, where your family has already had to sacrifice so much to get you to the States. Why would you ever leave? But the truth is there's so much good that comes from travel and not just to take the pictures and to like say you're in Paris. That's bullshit to me. I do it for all of the other reasons, like being uncomfortable, learning a language, meeting people that I would have never met in my entire life. But to to back it up to those people right now who want to travel and feel like it's unattainable. Yes, there are some legal repercussions if you're undocumented, but you could always prepare. And this is why I stress learning languages, right? Like in those 12 years, what was I doing? I was like studying French because I'm like, okay, when I get that green card, you better believe your girl's going to be like, bonjour, je voudrais, uh, you know, whatever. Yes, bonjour. So, <laughs> bonjour. so when it comes to, to the travel, you know, there's so many hesitations, but part of my high So I ended up getting the the green card because my mom married an American. So it wasn't even because of the process, which is ironic. Like my paperwork is probably still pending somewhere in a legal office. But I did get my citizenship eventually. And I got my American passport. 
And if you are an American and you have the ability to get a passport, do it because we are all like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory with that passport. Like you are Charlie, you have the golden ticket. It's such a privilege to have a passport where so many countries let you walk in without even having a visa or with a simple ass visa process. Like having this global life and friendships that span continents, it kills me that it is a lottery and you just so happen to be born in a country where the passport is good if you're born in the States. So get a passport. The second thing is take small trips and do it for personal development. I think travel needs to be rebranded. It shouldn't be this all-inclusive resort weekend trip. It should be something for experience. Like, shit, mm. you can have an experience that's free and that can change your life or give you the idea or put you on the right track. So the high that I get, it's, it's all of that at once. And here's the irony, Sean. Your girl's allergic or not allergic. I guess I am allergic in a sense. I'm afraid of flying. I'm literally what? afraid of flying. <laughs> yes. No one what? knows this. I'm Are afraid of flying. If you're with me on a plane and you hold my hand, you're going to be like, what is Drenched. this soup? Drenched. <laughs> swamp, swamp ass, swamp hands. <laughs> Talk about irony. I've always had this fear of flying. Like when, a, when the turbulence hits... You know what I say to myself? I'm like, damn, at least I've lived a good life. Like, I'm glad I took that trip. Oh, my God. You are one of those. You go downhill yes. right away. I used to be like that. I used to be like that. Oh, my gosh. You have to take this course. You have to take this course. I'm going to send you this course to take. And I know you'll do it because you love learning. There's a, I'm sure you, you may have come across it, but there's a course about for people who are afraid of flying. And it's basically what they give flight attendants so you can understand. Like there's a bunch of different layers to flying and it just eases your, your anxiety. And I know probably when you're flying over the ocean, you're probably on, you probably don't sleep, do you? Oh my God. It's like clenching. I'm the, the seat clencher, like white knuckling those seats. But I think like it's become a muscle. I always joke that when you put yourself through the fear, if you're afraid of flying and you fly, there's nothing sweeter than that moment that the plane lands and you feel like you were just born again. You're like, honey, hello, I am here and I'm having the best trip of my life because I almost just died in that plane. So there is the bright side of that. That is so ironic, but that's really great. All right, so let's talk about traveling and languages. So you said you learned, you know, French, but you know a bunch of other languages. You know, you already had this, like, ability to speak Portuguese. Tell us all the languages you know, and also tell us how each language, like, affects you when you speak it. Oh, what a good question. I'm such a nerd when it comes to languages, but not in the academic sense. This is something else I want to stress. I'm a big contradiction. Like, I love learning languages, but I was not a good student. So if you're that person, too, that's like, I want to learn this language, but grammar sucks. Yeah, honey, I know. And I barely look at the grammar. So, yes, I think when I grew up in this multilingual kind of environment, I was born speaking Portuguese and I was, you know, raised in by my grandmother who taught me how to read before I even left. So when I was five years old, I was reading in Portuguese and I was communicating well. And then when I got to the States, I lost all of that. So it's like starting over. I completely lost the ability to communicate. I didn't know what anything meant. And I can still remember these moments sitting at the dinner table, like with tears in my eyes, looking at these tiny little pictures of 
of a hand and seeing the word a hand and seeing how foreign it looked, right? But day after day, I would study and I had to, I had to try because this is survival. So when I think about how I learned English, I really try to apply that same approach to everything. When you're six years old, you're not thinking about grammar. You're just trying to grasp concepts, right? Like there are so many studies that say, you should learn languages like babies or you shouldn't, whatever, like use your adult brain to help you frame things. I just say, get in there and speak and stumble and make as many mistakes as possible. Get a coach, get a tutor. They're super cheap today. There are so many platforms like italki and Preply where you can connect to locals. I got this tutor in Arabic who I'm paying $10 an hour who became one of my dear friends. And now I'm like, take all my money because now I can express myself in Egyptian Arabic. Like, This is the best time on earth to learn a language. And from my personal journey, when I learned English, I found this really cool power play. Like, (laughs) I sound like a little evil, like, eight-year-old kid when I say this, but there's nothing more powerful than getting taken out of class. Because now you're the only person who can unlock a conversation between the new Brazilian kid or the new Spanish-speaking kid and the teacher. So I got this power that was bigger than the adults. And I'm like, oh, shit this is my jam. Like I was treated like an adult. So that's kind of how language started reshaping me. It gave me this confidence because I was that shy kid. But when it came to speaking languages, this was life or death. Like this was pee your pants or not pee your pants. And I was that, that key that would help a kid not pee their pants. Mm. So then I started learning French, but I was kind of like a little badass. I've never liked rules too much. So I, it was February in Connecticut and I would go to school wearing jeans and I would change in the bathroom to these like mini skirts. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. It was 40 degrees Celsius and I'm over there like wearing a tiny mini skirt. My French teacher did not like me. She'd be like, Jasmine, my French name, go to the principal's office. You're wearing a short skirt. So I never liked French class. I didn't like doing the homework. She was like an arch nemesis. Lo and behold, it came naturally to me. Uh, I got lucky. Talk about winning the lottery. When you speak one romance language, it's easier for you to pick up others. And I purposely didn't want to learn Spanish because it was too close to Portuguese. So I was like, no, I'll learn French. That was shaky. Then I get to high school and I start taking French there and the teacher's a hard ass, super strict. But he saw something in me. And I think it's so powerful to have these teachers or mentors in your life that see that thing in you. And because he saw that thing in me, he made me work harder indirectly because he would be stern. He was like, Mm. at this point, my name was Cecile. Cecile, like, what is the answer? I know you could do it. And so I started learning French and applying myself to it. And then he started teaching Italian. And then I started taking Italian. And every time I would speak French... I felt like one person. I felt like Cecile. When I spoke Italian, I felt like Franco. And so it's like I started creating these layers of myself. When I spoke Portuguese, I was Joaninha, little Joanna. When I spoke English, I became Joe, not even Joanna. And then I just started blossoming and, and it became a part of my life. It's just like, damn, why learn one language or why see life in one language when Learning languages gives you like multiple lives. You become a different person. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You created this incredible vision for yourself. Now having a Netflix show that I believe is two seasons now. And mm-hmm. can you tell us about the show? Like, tell us the joy. And then also kind of throw in there how you're doing a show when you're also afraid of getting on an airplane. Like, I need to know all this whole, I need to know this whole. It's so good. Uh, I loved our conversation on, on my show just because it's like, I feel there's so many similarities in our journeys where it's like all of these things that could have made you the outlier actually was the reason why you created this lifestyle where you're doing exactly what you love and you're getting paid for it. Like, I'm still shocked mm-hmm. that I get paid. Like, yes, I'm yes. dreading getting on that plane, but like I get paid to do this. So something in the backstory when I was growing up and I was interested in languages and culture, like, yes, I, I didn't have a green card. I couldn't leave, but I was looking at job opportunities and everybody would say the same thing like if you want to be this multilingual person your main job opportunity would be a translator and I'm like that's bullshit I have so much to say why am I just going to operate like someone else's voice no shame to translators but like I had a lot of thoughts and ideas of my own so it's like that didn't seem like a right fit then I'm like okay well what if I don't even use languages at all and I could operate in the travel space or whatever or like be a boss ass bitch like working at a company that's global but then I'm like but then I wouldn't be using the languages which is a skill that I love and that just doesn't fit either so I didn't see a dream job for me like I, I honestly any job that I would have would only use one or two or maybe three of my skills and leaving the rest to die So I'm like, okay, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. There was always that nagging voice. I'm not satisfied. Then I went to college, got my degree in international business. Again, always in preparation and sociology. Didn't love the opportunities that presented themselves. I was super lucky to be offered a full-time job in a travel management company, which is this company that actually books travel for companies. So, you know, like the big companies of the world, they have these travel agencies. I was the admin assistant at one of those companies, putting in the executives' preferences, their frequent flyer miles. I'm like, damn, Mr. Smith, he's on his 17th private jet flight of the week. Like I knew how these people were flying. And I just was sitting kind of rotting, you know, my, my light was dim in this office, all of this to say that they offered me a full-time job. And I said, no. And instead I moved to LA with my old business partner. And we started this YouTube channel where we would just film our crazy travels and our experiences learning languages. And at first I was trying to convince young, I, I was trying to pitch a young travel show to networks. And they would all say the same thing, like young travel won't sell. But then I'm like, okay, well, YouTube seems to be working out like maybe it's 50 people today, but tomorrow it might be 70. And I just I'm just that hard worker. Like I'm not a sprinter. I'm a long distance runner. I'm not good at tests, but I will outwork you like this has just always been my thing. And luckily, we're living in an age where we have those platforms that you could just by being consistent, you can create that job. So that's what I did on YouTube day after day. I would wake up post edit post sometimes I would you know we would find cheap bus tickets and we'd film an adventure that would seemingly be dreadful to somebody but we're there finding the joy 
And I always bring it back to that childlike thing that I had, which is like, how cool would it be to be the, the boss clicking her heels down the airport? And I never thought it would be hosting a Netflix show. So this whole journey of eight years creating videos on the internet, learning how social media works, I started getting paid pretty well for being a digital creator. It led me to land this audition where I was auditioning for a host position on the world's most amazing vacation rentals, which everyone says is the dream job. And it really was. I was traveling during the pandemic, by the way. We started a little bit before. But then, like, the world shut down. The show shut for shut down for four months. And in that time, that's actually when I launched Joe Club. Because I'm like, okay, what's authentic to me? Journaling. I don't even yeah. know if the show's coming back. But I can write in my journals. Yes. So here's the twist. When I'm sitting there, I got the job, which I was so shocked. Uh, but it, it made sense. But I was still like, damn, little me? Like, the little brown <laughs> girl? You know, like, shit, yeah. I'm just happy to be here. I'm sitting in the production office to like meet my co-hosts again and see the EPs. Get this. I get the flights for the next six months, which turned into like a year and a half because of the pandemic. But for the first six months of the show, and guess what company booked my business class flights? The company you yes. for. Yes. Oh my God. This business is class flights. Let's get into it though. Let's get into the business, business class. Get into Dude. it. So it's like, the point here is just following the authenticity, that little voice inside of your head that says, like, there's a little bit more that I could be unlocking. Like, there's a little bit more that I should give. That voice is powerful, and it will eventually lead you to, to that point where you create your own job title. Like, you, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about authenticity, uniqueness. When people are true, true to their uniqueness, they unlock these opportunities. They create their own job titles. Like, why are we sitting here looking for job titles when we're also unique that we could make a better title ourselves? You know what I'm saying, Sean? Mic drop. Come on, drop it again. Drop it again, okay? I think that one of the things that is incredible because a little bit ago of you saying, you know, you didn't take the full-time job and there's so many people who will settle, settle for, and I know sometimes taking a full-time job is an amazing opportunity for some people, but you thought of it as settling for mediocrity and you're like, but well, this ain't what the fuck I want to do. And it's very similar to me because I worked in corporate. I had gotten another, you know, promotion and a raise, but I was just like, Oh my gosh, like I can't sit here and do this. You know, I can dance. I can move to LA and like and do something. And my mom was like, if you don't take this opportunity, you'll always regret it. And, you know, for me, it was creating hip hop abs. And obviously the career took off. And for you, it's, you know, being a host of a show, getting the business class travel. Like these are the kind of things that I love for people to hear. And by way of trusting and believing in yourself, because there's a lot of people who don't trust and believe in themselves. So many people try to play it safe and the opportunity that they want, they feel that they'll never reach it. And they really don't believe in is the risk worth the reward. And so, you know, people can listen to you now. You're super vibrant. You're like incredible personality, obviously made for TV hosting. <laughs> but I think like, what is the thing that you can say to people, especially women, especially women of color too, because a lot of women of color are not in 
situations and opportunities where they have things readily available at their fingertips. What can you say to them to say no, like stay the course, continue to trust and believe in the power of what it is that you want to do? But I need a deeper from you. Such a good question. What I want to stress is that being a person of color is not easy. Being a woman of color is not easy. And something that I think a lot of young people of color get taught when they're young and tell me if you were told this, my mom would say to me, you have to work four times as hard to be better because you were born with several handicaps just because I wasn't handicapped, but like in the society's term, and it could have also been worse. Like talk about being empathetic to people with handicaps and with other stories that make it even harder for them to achieve anything. So it's like when you come from a background where there's no privilege or it's like even in my lack of privilege, I do have privilege and I'm going to keep it real, but I'm still a woman. I'm still a woman of color. I was still an undocumented immigrant and I'm living in this town, in this society where it's like, there are opportunities, but you know, you look around in those powerful rooms, how many people of color are there? Probably one. And let's not even get into tokenization, like tokenism, because it's, that sucks too. It's like, as a person of color, you never know if you're there because you're the best or because they just need to fill a quota. So we can talk for days on this topic, but what I want to stress to people of color and women of color specifically, it's like, I get that there are risks. I remember when I was going back and forth with this job opportunity, they offered me $45,000. I was fresh out of college with $70,000 of debt. I didn't have a financial backbone. I didn't have family that could help me. I didn't even have friends that could help me. And I got very lucky because I expressed what I wanted. I think you have to put your desires in motion. You have to say it to the universe and then you have to act towards them. And if you share that journey, things will come to you. So what ended up happening after I graduated was I had this huge mountain of debt. And I'm like, shit, I got to get a full-time job. But again, that wasn't it. I still got jobs. I still paid my bills. But a random person who I had met twice was like, sleep on my couch. And I'm like, I don't take any handouts from anyone. But to be real, like none of the people in my circle even have anything to give me. Because when you're an immigrant or a person of color, usually your community is that. And we're all just trying to make the best of what we have. So it's hard. You know, I can't look to my my best friends who are immigrants in their minds, too. It's like in their lives, their parents are driving cabs and working halal carts. Like they don't have mansions to house me in or even a room in a place. So anyways, this person let me sleep on her couch. She became a dear friend of mine. And these were all steps in my journey where it's like, I could take it the easy route. Like I could go back home, but I know that there's more and I'm taking a big risk. But I think when you're in. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. 
Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. This position where you have this thing in your head that you know is authentic, you can't shut it down. And this is where journaling is super helpful too. Like, what is it that you want? Mm. And they're always going to be high risks, but they say high risk, high reward. Like I, I said no to $45,000, not knowing what was going to be on the other side of that flight in LA, hoping I landed. And I remember <laughs> landing, I remember landing and being like, holy shit, there is no plan B now. So I have to save myself. And this is where technology helps. You can message anyone that you want on the internet. You can DM people on LinkedIn. You can find the CEOs. You can find the casting directors. You can, you can be gritty and resourceful. And that's exactly what I did because here's the thing too. When I was sitting in that office and I got that full-time job offer, I realized something. I was like, I know what I know. I know if I take this job, my life is going to be most likely in this corporate world. I'm going to go down the ladder. Maybe I'll become the CEO if I'm lucky. But what I don't know is what is on the other side of that flight. And I'm willing to go find out because that's more exciting to me than the monotony that I already know is going to happen if I accept this full-time job where someone else, by the way, dictates my financial value. So it's like, no, you don't know my worth financially because I'm only using two of my skills here. And I'm willing to take a bet on myself. I dated the stockbroker once at the time where I was like really just hustling. And he said, Joe, if you were a stock, I would invest in you. And when he said that to me, I'm like, damn, that's how I should lead my life. Like invest in yourself because you're worth it. And if you invest, it will come back to you tenfold, but you just have to be willing to take that risk. And you know what's so incredibly powerful about that? That entire story and what you just said takes me back to the time when you were in Brazil, walking down the street, going on an adventure, and you could think that fear of the unknown was going to be something you didn't want to touch, but fear of the unknown is optimistic for you. And it was the same thing on the other side of that airplane landing in L.A., I think it's so incredible and amazing what you've achieved. And I'm being facetious when I say this at such a young age, since you think I'm an old man. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Joe, Joe, you know, I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. You're like Um, a big brother to me. Can I call you a big brother? (laughs) Please do. That's going to be our, our little inside, you know, connection relationship. But I just, I think this is so powerful for people And that is the lesson that I want people to take away from this episode is, oh, my goodness, for me, I mean, you really changed my mindset today when you said, instead of being fear of the unknown, I'm about to go into surgery. And I have, you know, I have like so many, I have fears, I have stressors, and it's going to be new for me. But I'm like, well, why would you be afraid of something you've never done? And so you just inspired me. I'm like, well, let me just go to my YouTube channel and document this entire process because I could probably help somebody through it. Like, I'm going to have two shoulder surgeries to get. Like, what is my plan? Like, how do I stay Mm -hmm. fit around it? What You know, and so thank you so very much for 
just kind of give me that idea and just, I mean, you really inspire me and I know you inspire other people, but before we, before we leave, I have so many of, you got to come back on the show. Cause I got way too many other to. things to talk. We didn't even get into relationships, child, but, uh, <laughs> we got to talk about that. I was the youngest child for a while. My, I was out of the house by the time my sister was born. I was the youngest child in pretty much in my family. And it was a very interesting place to be because they made you out to be the baby. It was like the baby of the family, the baby of the family. And while Mm -hmm. in some ways it was really endearing because you felt people looked at you as like, you know, to be protected for me, it also made me feel like I had to level up. So Mm -hmm. did you, do you, or did you feel that being the youngest, especially with, you know, you have older sisters, plural, an older brother and an older sister. How did that make you level up in your life? Like, how did that affect you in in any way? Such a great question. I love, love, love looking at like the science of siblings. And I do think that the younger child has an advantage because we get to quietly observe what the like mistakes of our siblings. So that's kind of how I was. But I do think that there's a little bit of a, an unlearning when you're the youngest child, you have to unlearn this idea that you're like some baby to be coddled. And mm-hmm. I was always feisty. I feel like we share that where it's like somebody tells you you can't do something. You're like, watch me, bitch. So it's like <laughs> when I was young, when I was younger, I was so upset when somebody would baby me. And I remember always trying to be as independent as my older brother, who was seven years older than me, and my older sister, who's three years older. Like I never wanted to be a burden. Because I guess I was so shy, I didn't even want to call attention to myself, which like, look at the crazy full circle thing. I never wanted to ruffle feathers. I just wanted it to be easy. I didn't want to get yelled at. But I really do think when you have siblings, what a privilege and honor. And I love my siblings dearly. I actually interviewed my sister on my podcast, which was something so cool because it's like, yeah, you've lived this whole life together. You know how you were raised, but How often do you actually sit and have conversations about what you've experienced to like unpack a lot of it? How crazy is it that we were raised in the same scenario, but we could look at it completely different and that framing has shaped our lives because of it. So anyways, yeah, I do think that having older siblings has leveled me up, but now ironically, they, they say that I'm the older sister. Like when I need, when anybody needs whatever it is, like advice on career money or like you know, I'm helping my mom right now and I'm the youngest. And so it's like, it's been a privilege and honor. And I just think about when I have kids, if I do have kids, how special it is to have siblings. I'm sure you observe it in your kids too. Like what an amazing human experience, especially if you you get along with them. I just want you to give the people a way to trust and believe in themselves in a way that I couldn't. All I got to say is that we're all human beings at the very core and focus on you and and help uplift others. So it's like this irony. You got to focus on yourself, but do it selflessly. Like know that if you bring your best foot forward, you're going to be making someone's life better. You're going to be making them vibrant. You're going to be unlocking their light. Somebody said this to me. It's don't ever let anyone or anything dim your light because the world needs to shine a little brighter. And I think that that's been such a good pillar to lean on when when times get tough, because like shit happens, bad things happen. Really bad things happen in this life. And we always have a choice to use it as fuel. Sure, cry, cry your eyes out, hurt, feel the pain. But know that that pain is what's gonna make 
you that much stronger and that much more profound and with that much more perspective. Like the worst thing that can happen to you is probably the best thing that can happen to you if you're just willing to look at it in a different framework. So today and for the rest of life, just remember that power that you have to to change your experience to attract good things because it's all inside of you you just have to believe and trust and trust and believe and that's it everybody let's give joe some love and to find out more about joe please look at the show notes she is incredible and amazing and if you haven't seen this on youtube you have to go check her out her energy is just as beautiful as her spirit and she's an absolutely incredible person joe thank you so much for coming on the show sean what like what a joy it is that the universe has you like thank you for existing it's like it sounds a hippy dippy but it's true like the world needs more people like you 